when I think about Martin's disability, I mean, it's a lot of things. It's a lot of very hard things for him. What it is for me is it's inconvenient. It's frustrating. He'll ask me the same thing five, six times. But I began to see with Martin's disability, when he asks me five times where the syrup is, I have an opportunity to either, you know, answer him the first time and then answer him with greater frustration the second time. And then the third time I'm like, it's in the cupboard. <laughs> yeah. And really it's, I'm exasperated because I'm impatient. He's, he is, it's not convenient for me to be loving and patient with him as much as he needs. So I can see it as five, five opportunities to be frustrated with him or five opportunities to practice love and kindness towards someone with a disability. And even when I say that, it, I get a little lump in my throat because I, uh, so much of how we have handled, how I've handled Martin's disability has been about how it, it's everything from slowing our family down and me initially in this fast paced world, me seeing that as a negative, when God says, the fact that, you know, this has slowed your family down, that's by my design. You're listening to the Reframing Ministries podcast, providing help, hope, healing, and humor for people walking through pain. Here's our host, Colleen Swindoll Thompson. Laura, I don't I don't think you need any introduction. You are a Dove Award winner and a best-selling <laughs> author. <laughs> And I've been, through so, I've been through so much behind that because you don't get there without some challenges. And so your new book, Solon Normal, is another one that talks about letting go of the challenges that you face and embracing what God allows. Um, you kind of ran into this very early on in your marriage. Let's start there with yes. your husband's brain tumor, all that happened there in 2006. Well, I'd say so long, being, saying so long to normal is, uh, <laughs> even before then, I was just never really a normal kid. Like I, I played string bass growing up. I, uh, yeah, I was just kind of a quirky, awkward middle schooler, you know, but yeah, for us, uh, even, I guess I've been married for 18 years now. How could I possibly, I must've you gotten married when I was like 12. Exactly. I know. It's amazing. How does that happen? <laughs> so for us, uh, it was within the first two years of our marriage that Martin was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And we had known each other for probably 10 years prior to getting married. We'd grown up together. And Did he help really, you carry your base to, to school in middle school? <laughs> um, no, we didn't know each other in middle school. But so he was a, and he probably wouldn't have anyway, because he, so I played bass, he played baseball. And so he, he, he and his like jock friends would make fun of me being in the dorchestra as they called it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so he probably wouldn't help me anyway, even if I'd known him, but 
I, uh, <laughs> you know, so, so our first couple of years of marriage, uh, all of a sudden we had all these great plans for our lives and had gone through premarital counseling and learned how to, you know, balance the budget and, you know, all that. And then this brain tumor thing happens. That they don't that cover in marriage counseling. Exactly. That we're completely unprepared for. And, and we had, you know, family church come around us and just encourage us and, and really, even when I think about how hard those months of him being in the hospital were, mm. it's, it's almost like a different hard than what we experienced maybe four or five years out. Because I think that anytime you have uh, something uh, that's, you know, as a person of faith, when you have something that happens that seems, uh, different than what you expected your life to look like, or even different than the, than the abundant life that you're assuming that God has for you. And and for, in my case, for Martin and I, what what we thought it would look like, all of a sudden this thing happens and we kind of assumed, okay, this is a, this is a little detour. We can handle a detour and we're just going to continue to trust God. We're going to continue to pray in faith for healing and all of this. Uh, and so even though those years, those few months, first few months were hard, there was a different kind of hard that we experienced a few years later when we realized, okay, this disability that Martin has um, incurred from the brain tumor and from the surgery, this is a long-term disability. Like it's a not going to go away. Yeah. And a lot That's of times, a whole as, new kind of hard. Yeah. And as Christians, I'm not sure that we really had been equipped prior to that, to that season on how to handle long-term disability. Because mm. say, I'd say as, you know, as churches, we, we know how to pray fervently for healing and then the person's healed and we give God the glory. And, and those, that's a beautiful story and, and that, I, that I still see. I still see God do that. But when it comes to him not doing it in our story, and, and then you see other situations where someone gets sick and that sickness leads to death. And that person, you know, as, as awful and hard as it is, that person is with Jesus in heaven. And, and so you have these two scenarios, but then we're somewhere in the middle. Where, yeah, they don't talk about that at church. And it's not so like grateful, so grateful that Martin <laughs> lived through it. And so I don't, I don't want to make light of, the, of that, but, but we felt very ill-equipped to handle this thing called long-term disability, especially as people of faith who had been taught, oh, if you just pray with enough faith, if you just trust God enough, then he eventually will heal you. Um, but a lot of times we, uh, we have in our mind exactly what that healing is going to look like. Mm-hmm. And, and God, you know, when he says, I'm going to work all things together for good, a lot of times we have in our minds what that good should look like. Absolutely. Yes. When God has a different plan. And when he answers it, according to his will, which was not the answer we were looking for, because we pray with an answer in mind, like healing as in healing, normal, typical, back to where we were. And God's like, "Mm -mm, yes, I am healing, but I'm healing something far more. And that is in your soul. Yes. So talk to me about how did you wrestle with that? What did that look How like? How did I? You're saying yeah. it past tense. As How if do I... you? Because <laughs> I woke up wrestling with something regarding a disability this morning going, what in this world? I don't even know what to yeah. do. Yeah. 
Golly, and, and there's a lot of things. I think I think one of the things that we see, um, one thing that I was very very thankful for very quickly was that even though, uh, like when it comes to God's word, even though I had not seen God's answer to this, you know, to long-term disability in his word prior to us going through it, uh, the more I began to turn to the scriptures, the, the fact that I saw that God was not silent on this subject. So one of the things that I think is uh, one of the passages that's been kind of my go-to for just kind of helping myself walk through it. And even when I have the opportunity to help others walk through it, uh, this passage in John nine, where the disciples mm. say, okay, whose fault is it that this guy's blind? So love that and, passage. Yes. So love it. Because it is, I mean, that's just kind of our natural reaction. It's like, okay, whose fault is this? Or like, I haven't gotten healed. Is it my weak faith? Is it that God is not loving? And, and, and I love that Jesus, he says, okay, you're asking the wrong question. It's not this person's fault. It's not their parents' fault. He was born blind that the, that the works of God might be displayed. Mm-hmm. And so you see this answer. You also see another answer in Romans, Romans 5 about, you know, that, that sin entered the world through the fall. And death entered the world through sin. And so when people ask me, like, why do why do bad things happen to us? I I can give them those, those are my two go-to answers of our world is broken because of sin. And that means that this side of heaven, before Jesus comes back and makes all things new, um, things are just gonna creation's gonna be marred. And we're gonna see addiction, we're gonna see infertility, we're gonna see. Uh, racial strife. We're going to see all of these things. And even, even though, you know, our job is to live on earth as it is in heaven. That's our job as believers is to, to bring, you know, God's kingdom to fruition here prior to the big, big return. We right. are going to see brokenness. Right. Um, and why, why I think that's important is that God also gives us permission in his word to lament that brokenness. Yeah. One of my favorite passages, Psalm 13. I'm oh sorry. Oh my gosh, I'm, that's one of my favorite as well. But then I oh, think- Oh, good. I, yeah, I, I, I promise you, I'm, I'm going to answer your question. I feel like I'm kind of all over the place this morning. You're great. Um, but I love that you have David saying, how long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? Mm-hmm. Like, God, are, he says, how long will you hide your face from me? And I love not just that David said it, but that God values lament and honesty enough to leave it in there as he's putting together the canon that is the holy scripture that we have he said i want this to be in there so that my people know that it's okay for them to come to me with their brokenness yeah it's okay for them to even ask me a question like god are you hiding from me yeah how long are you how long am i going to wait in despair and so uh that was a real encouragement to me it's not just okay laura have greater faith um, hang in there. It's no, no, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me with your brokenness. Come to me with your questions. Come to me when you don't understand. And he doesn't just say, hang in there. He says, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Don't look for your rest and your peace and your comfort in the changing of your circumstances. You can find that in me mm-hmm. in a peace that passes understanding a peace that isn't contingent on better circumstances, the healing of a brain tumor, the lowering of COVID numbers, you know, like wh- whatever it is we tend to look to for our peace. He says, no, no, you can find it in me. So, sorry, I'm, I'm trying to get back to answering your question. I think your question was like, how do I handle it each day? I think it's, first of all, 
acknowledging there is brokenness in this world and we're not a left we're not left alone in it. God is with us and we can come to him when we're hurting. So wait, I'm going to stop you real quick. Yeah. What ab- what happens when I know that to be true? Yeah. But when I pray and it's all crickets. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm hearing the crickets, Lord. It's dark. And oh, I don't yeah. and- I don't feel your presence. Well, I I think one of the the one of I don't mean to pick on you, but the word feel. <laughs> exactly. Fact- yes. And that's where, uh, okay, I said I didn't mean to pick on you. I'm about to pick on a lot of people right now. One thing, <laughs> one thing I've found, I've figured out, and this is, so when I'm doing my time with the Lord in the morning, mm-hmm. if I can either choose to start my day in God's word, mm-hmm. reflecting on what is true, mm-hmm. or I can choose to start my day looking at the news, looking at social media, and oh, no. in that and I end up exchanging truth mm-hmm. for a bunch of experiences and emotions. Mm-hmm. And it's, and I, I, don't, I don't say that like condemning to anyone. I'm saying this is what I'm learning right now mm-hmm. is I can either start my day based like running on like the track of truth, knowing who I am, seeing the world in, from, from a lens of truth, or I can begin my day with experiences and feelings. And back, back to Psalm 13, you know, he's, he is so honest about his feelings, but he doesn't, he doesn't let his feelings win the day, yes. which is, it's so good that we have something stronger than our feelings to really rest upon. Cause my feelings, I mean, I'm, I'm all over the place. I'm up, down, up, down, up, down 18,000 <laughs> times in one day. Right. <laughs> But God's word is sturdy. God's character, his nature, how he deals with his people is sturdy. And so in Psalm Psalm 13, you have him beginning with how he feels, but he ends with what he knows to be true. And he says things like, I have trusted in your loving kindness and my heart will rejoice. And, 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 so, and, and I will sing of the Lord because he's dealt bountifully with me. He says, I'm going to look back at the track, at God's track record of faithfulness both to me personally and to his people for generation to generation. And I'm going to choose yes, to bless God. Yes. I'm going to make the choice to, to believe the best of God in a situation, to believe the best of others, to believe his word over my feelings. So I love that because Habakkuk, the only prophet not to speak directly to the people, chapter one, he's like, Lord, tell me what's happening Things are really bad. They're getting worse, kind of like mm-hmm. what a lot of people are thinking today or feeling today. Mm-hmm. And then God goes, you know, if I told you what was going to happen, you're not going to believe it. It's like, yeah, I will. They go back and forth. So he goes, yeah. okay. God says, sit down. I'm going to tell you what happens. Then chapter three, yeah. it's like, oh my gosh, it's going to get so much worse. <laughs> and at the end of chapter three, it's like, I may not see any fruit on the trees. I may not see grass in the fields. I may not see yeah. any work of your hand, in other words. I will not see any evidence, but I will choose to believe and trust you. Yeah. I think that's what you're touching on or what you're... Well, and, and I, I don't say it at all in a convicting, condemning kind of way because, golly, life is hard. And, and it's hard to say that to the mother who who has just had her fifth miscarriage. It's hard yes. to say that to the to a grieving parent or, a, or, or someone who just has been so oppressed in their workplace that they just feel so unseen. It's hard to say these things to them, but I say them 
because there is so much freedom that comes when you say, okay, I'm not going to give the power to my feelings. Yes. I'm not going to give the power to my circumstances. Uh, one, one of my favorite people who talks about this is the apostle Paul. And he, yeah. he'll say things like rejoice in the Lord always. And you're going, okay, really always. <laughs> Paul? But then you remember He's not like writing this book from, you know, his, his uh, penthouse his like timeshare in Tahiti. Like he's in a prison cell. And what he's saying is I found a peace and a freedom in jail in Christ. (laughs) Yeah. He's in jail locked up. That's greater than I had when I was free and without Christ. And I just, just as like a rational person say, that's the peace I want. I want the beast that, that I could literally be in any circumstance and, and my, my core is still whole. My heart is still steady because my peace is grounded in the person of Jesus, not in my circumstances. It's so interesting that you say that because yesterday I get a text from a friend that sends um, texts that people have written and they actually were quoting your, your song, Blessings. Oh, it was great because I'm like, I'm going to talk with her tomorrow. <laughs> but in the writing, it said, we often interpret our circumstances based on either what we hold true about God or we judge our circumstances yep. by yep. what we hold true about God. It's yes. either we're going to trust or we're going to judge. And if we judge, we're in our humanness. Yeah. So Paul in, in Romans 7, you mentioned Romans, which I absolutely love. He said, I ask God. And finally, when I accepted that he was mm-hmm. not going to take that away, and he calls it in the in the message, when I accepted my disability, yeah, whatever that was, yeah. we're not told, and I'm glad we're not told. Yeah, it's anything on the side mm-hmm. of heaven that isn't what we expected. He That's made peace with so that true. because he knew this was for my humbling. This was for mm-hmm. my dependence. So you said the hard part at first wasn't as hard with the brain tumor as it was five years later. Yes. Tell me about that. Well, I think, I think you know, I, I grew up in a, and this is not, I grew up in a wonderful church, but I feel like every testimony I heard from up front was this bad thing happened. I trusted God. Mm-hmm. And now like everything's Ta-da! great. <laughs> and so my, my interpretation of the Christian life, the abundant life that God has for us in Christ, it just, it was going to be a life that was way more comfortable, way more personally fulfilling than the life that I was living. So I'm like, am I doing this wrong? And it really has been, it's been so good to talk to so many other people that have said, yeah, it's, it's life is, there are things that remain broken that, yeah. that I never imagined. Uh, one of the things uh, I read this quote in a book and I really don't know where, even though I've, I've probably, I've re- probably requoted it more than the guy, whoever the guy was that actually said it initially. <laughs> um, but the quote was, it talks about um, Christianity and it was, it's Christianity is inviting God to be part of our story mm. that we might find our place in his greater story. Okay. So Christianity, inviting God to be part of our story that we might find our place in his greater story. I feel like for the first, I don't know, a couple decades of my life, I was living out the first half of that sentence. Right. And I thought Christianity was inviting God to be part of my story. Okay. Period. (laughs) And then 
it just wasn't as fulfilling. And this God who was my helper, my healer, my everything, my, 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 um, he wasn't making my life better the way that I thought he should. <laughs> and it really was reading this and, and realizing, whoa, 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 the whole point of me giving my life to God, yeah. the whole point of surrendering to Christ is saying, uh, my life is not mine anymore. And that's the, that's the irony of this upside down kingdom. That's the irony of this upside down gospel is that our fullness in life begins by giving it away. Our, you know, if whoever wants to gain their life must lose it. It's the Sermon and on the Mount. It's exactly to be, it. To be rich, to be poor. Yeah. Blessed are the poor, you know, they yes. should be, you know, shall yes. inherit everything. Yeah. And so when I began to see Christianity more as inviting God into my story, that I might find my place in his greater story that I must become less, he must become greater. And that's not a, um, that's not a demeaning view of ourselves. Uh, that's, that's an amazing a, view that he would take amazing. the time and the love yeah. to step into yeah. your life yeah. and walk with you as you do the feelings and the all about all around things that you yes. mentioned just a minute ago. Now, Yes. We talked a while ago, and you mentioned being in a counselor's office, and he was asking you what's the biggest challenge with a disability. Oh yes, <laughs> that oh, was now, an out. You're going to talk about moment. marriage stuff now. I got to <laughs> I got to get ready for this. Uh, yeah, I I had mentioned to you, you know, because a lot of people I talk to a lot of people who um, their husbands have brain injuries or their husband, you know some sort of disability, and how that affects a marriage. And yeah, my son is, has a traumatic brain injury. I get it. it I mean, I'm not married yes. to him, but it affects everything. No, well, even if you look at statistics of any any sort of disability within a family, like the the percentage, the chance of divorce just skyrockets. And I, I get it. I completely under, like before. I might have been condemning about that, but it's like, oh wow, yes. This is hard. And I remember Martin and I, you know, so probably five years out from the brain injury after, um, you know, I feel like at first we were super patient with each other, but then we, like five years out, we're just to the point of, of wanting to just kill each other. And I hope that's okay to say on your show. Oh, absolutely. Because <laughs> that's where my people live. Like we, oh, get good, up, good, good, we good. are in the weeds going, oh, we can't see our way out. I'm going to just get my hatchet. <laughs> exactly. So we're sitting with uh, this counselor and the counselor says, what is the biggest problem in your marriage? And we both, it's like, we hadn't agreed on anything in years, but we both agreed <laughs> Martin's disability, this disability, how it affects this, how it affects that. And the counselor goes, wrong. You're like, excuse me, I have to go get, I have to go to the restroom. Just a minute. Yeah. I'll be back. <laughs> you can tell him the problem. <laughs> yeah. And he says, no, Laura, the biggest problem in your marriage is your sin. Mm. I was like, oh, wow. He said, and, and I remember him talking about how, you know, he would sit with couples who they would say the biggest problem is so-and-so's job. The biggest problem is we don't have enough money. The biggest problem with, is, is this prodigal child. External. Is in, yeah. And, and we're wanting to say, oh, this is, this, is, this is the problem. He said, no, 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 it's your sin. And it's how, and the more he, and I don't even think he went into this. I think this was more. God just revealing to me, um, when I think about Martin's disability, 
I mean, it's a lot of things. It's a lot of very hard things for him. What it is for me is it's inconvenient. It's frustrating. He'll ask me the same thing five, six times. But I began to see with Martin's disability, when he asks me five times where the syrup is, I have an opportunity to either, you know, answer him the first time and then answer him with greater frustration the second time. And then the third time I'm like, it's in the cupboard. (laughs) And really it's, I'm exasperated because I'm impatient. He's, he is, it's not convenient for me to be loving and patient with him as much as he needs. So I can see it as five, five opportunities to be frustrated with him or five opportunities to practice love and kindness towards someone with a disability. And even when I say that, it, I get a little lump in my throat because I, uh, so much of how we have handled, how I've handled Martin's disability has been about um, how it, it's everything from slowing our family down and me initially in this fast paced world me seeing that as a negative when God says the fact that, you know, this has slowed your family down. That's by my design. Mm. Uh, so where the world values things like independence, even as a family, we are, we are our family's a mess. <laughs> Can you come be my neighbor? I want you to be my neighbor. We would get is, along really well. Is such a mess. I, I tell the story sometimes about, uh, I was doing an event at, um, at our church and Josie and like, I've got the, the, it was, it was when Josie was little and I, I had gotten her all dressed, you know, I'm sound checking the ch- child care is about to open up so I can put her in there and then do this event where I could get up on stage and look like, you know, I'd fixed my hair. And <laughs> anyway, Josie, uh, trips and busts her lip on a monitor wedge. And so she, she's bleed her lips bleeding. She's wanting to hug me. So now I'm you're covered, covered in blood. blood and you're and I'm, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm dropping her off at the nursery. And I, I and the, like the, the work, the nursery workers looking at me like we like looking at the both of us, like we just stepped off the set of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like we're both, <laughs> both covered in blood. And we meant to I look like this. I promise. I promise. Exactly, we yeah, yeah. And so I, I look in the nursery and there's all these other kids with these like beautiful hand smocked dresses and I remember thinking in that moment how thankful I am that God hasn't called me to live this tidy independent self-sufficient life for the glory of Laura but to each person he's called us to live this sometimes messy sometimes chaotic and always always totally dependent life for the glory of God And that at the end of the day, it's asking who got the glory today? You know, and if I have a, cause you know, it's, it's like, especially as women, it's our goal. Like I want to knock it out of the park. I want to show up to my kid's class with the homemade, whatever. I want to be the mom that, you know, when everything's crazy, I'm just so Oh, Where yeah. are they? I tried that for so long. I'm like, no, I'm just going to buy the muffins and yeah. take them to class. I didn't hand make exactly. them. Exactly. <laughs> but the point is, is I try to do that for the glory of Laura. Sure. 
But when I'm called to live life for the glory of God, it's actually the most encouraging thing I can do to the people around them is to show them that we don't have to have it all together. Mm-hmm. For them to be able to see my mess, yeah. um, it makes them feel like, oh, it's okay. I can be a mess too. And honestly, when people see my need for Jesus, yeah. I'm really just showing them the truth of the gospel. Yeah. Rather than saying, oh, theoretically, I need him for like to die for my sins, you know, to get me into heaven. No, no, no. It's not this theoretical savior. I have, I need a savior. I need the every hour. Like I, I love singing that hymn. I sing it. I need the every minute. I need the every, every second. second. God, I just need you. Uh, but realizing that that's, that's how we give them the most glory mm. is when we're the most honest about how desperately we need him. And I'd say that people probably like you and I, who have disability as part of our family, um, we probably show that a lot clearer than other people. Not, not that I'm more holy. I just can't help it. Like no, I'm just see, more messy. I'm more messy. <laughs> right. But the truth is, is that's, that's the ministry opportunity. That's the yeah. encouragement opportunity. Not uh, Laura plus Jesus equals like this beautifully Ta-da. manicured life. Right. Uh, it's, it's that my, when my need meets his strength, um, it, it, <laughs> that's what's perfect. It's not me being perfect. It's his strength meeting my need, his strength meeting my weakness that's perfect. I want to go back to what you were just saying a minute ago when that, when, when your husband asked for the syrup for the fifth time, you're like, this isn't a pattern. <laughs> and then you said, I almost get a lump in my throat because I am so faced with my humanness. Who would Laura have been without disability in your life versus who you are now? Holy, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, I can tell you um, very practically, and, I, and I'm not one of those people, so people ask me, they'll say, so would you have been a songwriter? Would you have been a performer if uh, you had not needed to step up and be the breadwinner for the family? And it's hard for me. I'm one of those like, I believe pretty strongly in the sovereignty of God that I, I don't really ask like what if questions. Yeah. They don't help. Yeah. They don't really help. Uh, But the truth is, is I do know that none of this ministry stuff, none of this was the plan. It wasn't the plan that I had. Uh, And I'll I'll tell you uh, kind of a a season of my life where I saw this very, very clearly. I had, uh, I had been, talking with the record label they I was newly married they're like we'd love for you to write songs and be a artist or whatever I can't remember what they said I was in, I was young and I was like yes this will be great yes I want to do that uh, I'll be on stage yes. and play and yeah mm-hmm. so they uh they were planning on coming to uh, to Johns Creek Georgia where I live uh on a Friday and it was the Wednesday before that that Martin was diagnosed with a brain tumor oh my gosh and so there's this moment of, okay, God, like, why did we do all of this with this record label only for me to turn them down and say, I'm sorry, I can't do this. So they, they asked if they could come down and have dinner with us anyway. They came down. They said, we totally understand that you can't say yes to this. I said, I'm so sorry that I can't. So passed. 
So probably three months later, they get back in touch again and say, hey, we, we still are really interested in working with you. And I said, yeah, things are, things are still a mess. When all of this gets tidied up, let's talk. <laughs> Have you so, called them back? <laughs> yeah. So, so the same thing happened three, month, three months later. Finally, nine months out, they come to me again and say, you know, we really, really would love to work with you. And I, I said, hey, my life is a greater mess and I have no, than it's ever been. And I have no idea when, when I'm going to get to the place where I, can, where I can be the person, be the songwriter that you guys need. And that's when they said it. <laughs> they said, no, 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 Laura, this is why we think you're the person because we're not looking for someone to write worship songs and to write beautiful songs about God showing up exactly according to our time frame, exactly the way that we want them to. We want, we believe that what people need is worship songs that they can sing while they're in the mess. While they're in the valley. While, while they're in the valley. Stinks, while it's hard. And that's when they challenged me to, to write, not from that like place on the mountaintop, but that place from the valley and I, and we ended up doing a record and we ended up doing another record. And we ended up doing another record. And, and it really was the, the, the beginning of, of me doing ministry with them. Uh, but right off the bat, ministry was from a place of weakness rather than a place of strength. And thank the Lord it was. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so things, uh, I can't even imagine who I would be or where I, I would be apart from Martin's brain injury. Um, mm-hmm. But I do know that the Lord has used it in a substantial way to do a significant work in me and a significant work through me, you know, to his glory. So as we close, I want to I want to ask you to speak into that, because so many people listening right now are in that valley and that shadow Mm. is so heavy. They cannot see. In fact, we just came back from a conference and we were under the clouds and I looked out and as the plane went through the fog, I thought this is life. Like we could not see, I couldn't see anything driving by instruments. And then it was glorious. So can you just spread the clouds a little bit and give some hope to the people who have listened to this and are going, I get her, I get this. She understands. Uh, One of the things, especially over the past, I don't know, maybe a year and a half, um, I've been looking through the scriptures and how many times God says, do not fear. Yeah. If you look at my situation, I have a husband with a disability. Um, His health, even we, he's stable right now, but we have no, we cannot place our hope in his health remaining stable. There are things in our future that could uh, at any moment that could change. So Uh uh, we have four kids. There's so many reasons why I should be anxious. Um, but God calls us, he says, don't fear, but he doesn't say, cause I'm going to work it all out or I'm going to explain it. The thing that he always says right after he says, don't fear is I'm with you. And that has been the greatest comfort to me uh, because I don't have to look. It's not looking to answers in order for me to have peace. It's believing he can give me peace within it. And it doesn't mean that God isn't going to answer our prayers because I, mean, I still pray fervently that, that God would heal Martin. And, and I know that he can, I, right. I don't, I don't understand why he has it yet, even though I've seen fruit from him, not healing. So, 
but the thing, uh, the question isn't whether or not God is going to heal my husband today. Mm-hmm. The question is how I'm going to live by faith during the waiting. Okay. How am I going to live with joy during the waiting? How am I going to live with peace during the waiting? Um, it's like inviting God into where you are yeah. today saying, God, what is it in me that you are doing as we wait out? Yeah. Whatever you will, whatever your will is, because we're yeah. surrendered. Well, in the time that we have, even in our waiting, that's time that we get to choose how to steward that time. Yes. And I can choose to be bitter for the next 15, 20 years, which honestly would kind of be a drag to everybody around me. Exactly. (laughs) Or I can choose joy, both for myself, for my family, but also, um, you know, people... I remember growing up hearing that the verse from first Peter talks about always be ready to have an answer for the hope that's within you. Yeah. And I'm like, who are these people that are coming up and just asking me, Hey, tell me the reason for the hope that's within you. (laughs) Cause as a kid, like no one's coming up and asking me that in school. Uh, It wasn't until Martin's disability and we began to walk through brain tumor that I ever had anyone come up to me and ask me for the reason for the hope that's within me. But now I do. I have, and that's basically what you're asking. Yeah. I have people ask me that on a regular basis. Uh, and it's because for whatever reason, God chose me to walk a hard path where his eternal hope and his eternal purposes are displayed in the midst of our brokenness. Mm-hmm. And so I want to choose joy. And I also want to choose to be someone who points other people to, to hope, to hoping in God, not hoping in the changing of the circumstances, but hoping in the person of God and believing that his presence and his promises are enough, even when we don't see that change we're looking for. Which brings us right back to the man born or the boy born blind. Yep. So the works of God can be shown. Laura, Absolutely. thank you for this. What a hey. great word of hope. You Thank you. And we awesome. did not, we had no internet issues either, did we? I know. This is great. <laughs> this was, great. this was clearly what, you know, sometimes when our, our first one that kind of fell apart, this yeah. was clearly the day that we, that we were supposed to be doing this. So this That's is great. This is only God, only God could do that. We're going to put all of your information in our show notes, Laura. Is there any last Fantastic. word that you want to say? I want to encourage people to get your book, So Long Normal. Um, thank hey. you for writing that. I would say the last thing I would, I would say, first of all, I'm grateful for you for having, uh, you know, a program like this for people who would say, Hey, I am not okay. I'm not normal help. (laughs) Uh, I'm on the front row on that one. (laughs) Yeah. And hopefully it's encouraging, um, in the same way that you and I had this conversation, I would encourage other women. Uh, it's just good to talk about your brokenness. It's good to know that you're not alone. Uh, I feel like so often Satan wins when he just keeps us quiet. Yeah, he wins sure. in the isolation. Sometimes it's not, it's not that you need someone to help make it better. You just need some, you just need someone. Yeah. And a lot of times just being able to talk through what's going on in your heart and in your mind, even if it doesn't make any sense, right. uh, there's a benefit to that. So, so don't, don't struggle through the hurt alone yeah. Find someone to talk to in the same way that we've done this today. Yeah, I may be texting you every so often. No, I'm kidding. Come on, bring <laughs> it on. thank you. Thank you hey. so much, Laura. Love talking with you today. 
Thank you again for joining us today at Reframing Ministries. If you enjoyed this podcast, let us know in the comments on our website. Our desire is to provide biblical help, hope, healing, and humor for people walking through unique and challenging segments in life. And in order to provide for more people, we'd love your support through prayer, sharing this content with friends, and partnered support. Reframing Ministries and Insight for Living Ministries operate entirely and only on your generous gifts and donations. You can partner with us and donate to Reframing Ministries through our website. The Reframing Ministries podcast is a production of Insight for Living Ministries.